Our speaker this morning is Jody Mullen Fondell, and I met Jody for the first time last spring at the chaplain's conference that was held in Seattle, and it's the first chaplain's conference I've been to in a while, and uh, it was a delight to be there with the other chaplains from the other schools and to hear what's going on. And many of the ideas which we initiated this year in chapel, which have uh, been very well received, uh, were ideas I heard of at that conference. Uh, and many of them, I would say, were brought by Jody to the group as things that they had tried at their school and things that students were responding to. So I was immediately caught by her creativity and by her desire to communicate effectively and clearly to students the message of the grace of Jesus Christ. Jody is the uh, chaplain uh, right now at North Park University. She is a covenant pastor. She and her husband are both covenant pastors. She uh, received her degree from North Park College in communications and education. She served for two years on the mission field working with high school students in Colombia, in Medellin, Colombia. She has a passion to see both the grace of Christ and the justice of Jesus Christ seen throughout the world. Over breakfast this morning, as I asked her a little bit about what her heart was about, because she, in one breath, talked about South America, Albania, Africa, and Sweden, and I'd never heard anybody quite put all those together like that. And she said that her heart really was for reconciliation in Jesus Christ and to see that proclaimed and made a reality around the world. She's going to be with us today and Friday, and I should mention right now that also today at 3.15 in the reservable dining room, the leadership uh, development uh, program is going to put on an open discussion on the topic of Christian feminism, and uh, uh, Reverend Fondell will be helping lead that discussion and guide that. That's today at 3.15, and uh, that will be alternative chapel credit as well. So let's take a moment and welcome Reverend Jody Mullen-Fondell. You have a nice chaplain. You know, it is really great for me to be here for more than one reason. Um, as a college chaplain, I am very interested in going to other schools and seeing what they're doing and finding out what the climate is and what are the issues and what are the students wrestling with and what are the students enjoying. And I'm, I'm very excited to be here for the next few days and look forward to the chances that I might have to talk to you. It's cold where I'm from. In fact, when I left yesterday, um, Monday morning, no, two days ago, I'm sorry, I'm a little disoriented here, it was snowing. And as I sat in the plane, I was a little nervous, in fact, that we might even be able to get out. And then I land out here, and it's completely different. And I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in the city of Orange. And while I do love living in Chicago, and while I've been there for nine years, I still don't care for winter much. Um, I like it through about January 1st. Then I'm ready for spring, and the problem is in Chicago, it doesn't really come until about April. But one advantage of living in cold weather is that you can have a fire in your house, and it's really nice. And I really love fires. I love fires, and I love candles. The flame is soothing, and the aroma is excellent. 
I love the smell of burning candles. I love the smell of logs burning in the fireplace. And just three nights ago, we had a roaring one going in our living room. In fact, I called out here to the people I was going to be staying with. They were getting ready to get in their pool, and we were building a fire. It was very strange. But to me, it's amazing how truly comforting smells are. You know, you think about that, and, and the good smells, they draw us in. And so important have people discovered that sense of smell is. Aromatherapy has become big business in, uh, in the world today. But it's equally true that a bad smell is uh, really hard to contend with. And I had an interesting experience with a bad smell about a year ago. Paul and Ethan and Chris are three guys at North Park who I have become pretty close to over my time as being chaplain. They've all been involved in campus ministries and we spent a lot of time together. And so one day, Paul and Ethan are roommates in one dorm and they thought that it would be really fun to invite me over to hang out with them in the dorm. And uh, I wanted to. I thought it would be interesting to get on their turf to go into the men's dorm and see what it was all about. And so I accepted their gracious invita invitation. Now, a couple things you should know about Paul and Ethan. First of all, Ethan is a firefighter. He was back in school getting his bachelor's degree, but vocationally he is a firefighter. Now, this becomes extremely relevant later on. The other thing about Paul and Ethan is that their room is immaculate, okay? You walked in and it was like everything had been cataloged. It was just perfectly in its place and you didn't want to move anything. And they had this white rug on their floor that they would scrub with a toothbrush even when the first piece of dirt or debris got left there. So these two little facts are important. Chris lived in a different hall, but he was over visiting for the evening. Now, I hadn't been there very long when Chris began to talk about not feeling so good. Now, Chris is the nicest guy on North Park's campus. So if you think about who on Westmont's campus is the nicest guy that you know, that's Chris. He doesn't complain. He's really easy to be with. He's delightful. He's funny. All those good things. So just that he would stand there complaining was really unusual. And Paul and Ethan and I were just kind of sitting there. And Chris was standing in the middle of the room, and he just was like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Well, finally, he decided to just lay down right in the middle of the room. And that was fine with me. I didn't really care. But after a short amount of time, he sat up. And then he stood up. And in his polite manner, he just simply said, I'm sorry, Jody, but I think I'm going to have to go home. I just don't feel good. And I thought, that's fine. I, I mean, I'm sorry I didn't feel good. And he's standing there. And then all of a sudden, he goes, well, in fact, and he looked to his left, and he looked to his right, and then he just hurled across the entire dorm room. I mean, it was projectile vomiting at its very finest. Now, he made a mad dash for the trash can that was in the corner and finished the act. And what I realized he was doing when he was looking to the left and to the right, he was looking for a trash can. Now, the problem was he didn't spot it until he had started this sea of, you know, whatever. And so there was just this... It was like someone took a hose and just sprayed it across Paul and Ethan's room. Now, I was sitting on the couch, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is the first time in like 20 years since I had been a student at North Park that I had been in the men's dorm. And I was there on this night, and I couldn't believe it. Because what was becoming clear in my mind 
was that I was probably going to have to clean it up. I mean, here I am as college chaplain. I'm constantly talking about servanthood. Put others in front of yourself. And it probably wouldn't have been very good for me to say, I'm sorry you're sick. I got to go. See you in chapel. That wouldn't have worked. So I'm sitting there just going, oh, dear, this is a big problem. I mean, it was... It was unbelievably gross. And I know this is even grosser, but the sheer volume that like came out of this guy was just unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. It's like he threw up all 20 years of his life. It was incredible. So I look over at Paul and he's just like shell-shocked. You know, his, this is this immaculate room that he just, you know, you get a little tiny piece of dirt on the floor and he's scrubbing with this toothbrush. And I'm thinking to myself, actually, this was kind of funny. I, I, I have to admit, there was a certain macabre enjoyment that I got out of seeing this room sort of messed up. And I know he was trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what in the world? How, how, what effect does vomit have on a computer printer? How, how am I going to get this stuff out of all my books? And, and am I ever going to be able to use my CD player again? I mean, I'm not kidding. It was everywhere. And all of a sudden, I noticed Ethan, and he was like, you know, he was ashen. And, he, you know, he's a fireman. And he's standing, like, in the door frame. And I look over at him, and he's like, I can't do barf! It's like the one thing I can't do! <laughs> and I'm going, Ethan, you're a fireman! And he's like, I know, but it's the smell, man! It's the smell! I just can't handle the smell! And I'm thinking to myself, you know, there are work. Well, maybe there aren't worse things, but, you know, it really wasn't that bad. But as I looked at him and I saw him turning more and more ashen, I began to believe him. Because let's face it, we didn't really want to start round two of the great Barfarama in Berg Hall that night. So I sent Ethan out of the room with towels in hand, told him to get him wet and keep him coming. With that, Paul and I looked at one another and dug in. Oh, Chris had really done a number. We got it cleaned up pretty well. But I did learn last spring that when Paul and Ethan moved out, they found, shall we say, residual effect of that night in Berg Hall. <laughs> Upon looking back at this incident, I realized that Ethan really was the one that had the great theological summary when he said, it's the smell, man. It's the smell. I can't handle the smell. Believe it or not, there's something in Paul that speaks to this very issue. Now, I bet you never learned in any New Testament class that early in Paul's second letter to Corinth, he's talking to people about the effects of Taco Bell on a stomach. Okay, so he's not really talking about the stomach flu. But the implications of smell certainly bear meaning for us as we look at what Paul is teaching in 2 Corinthians in the second chapter, verses 14 through 16, and I'll read that for you now. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing Him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not peddlers of God's word like so many, but in Christ we speak as persons of sincerity, as persons sent from God and standing in his presence. I want you to think for a moment about your own sense of smell. Think of those smells that are soothing and really draw you in. 
You know, I talked about the fragrance of a burning candle and a fire crackling in the fireplace. Think about cinnamon buns baking in the oven, a bouquet of flowers, out here the ocean breeze, a certain perfume or cologne, fresh coffee on a cold morning. Well, fresh coffee on any morning. <laughs> These smells, they draw us in. They surround us with good feelings. We want to be near them. They attract us. Now let me interrupt your olfactory dreams with a few nightmares. Think about those times when you are talking to someone whose breath is so bad you can't even concentrate on the conversation. All you are thinking about is getting out of there and getting a fresh breath of air again. Sour milk ranks right up there as well. And isn't it always the case that like when you smell sour milk, what's the first thing you do? Oh, here, smell this! You know, it's like you want to share that with somebody. I don't really get that, but we all do it. And the same is true for like dog stuff. I mean, that gets on your shoe and it stays forever. And rotten eggs and skunks, well, you get the picture of the bad smells. Good smells draw us in. Bad smells push us away. And you see, our sense of smell is extremely important. And it's different from our other senses. Because it really impacts the way in which we interact with different situations. I mean, with hearing, you can wear earplugs. With sight, you can close your eyes. With taste, you can choose to not eat something. But with smell, you can't not smell. Because in order to continue breathing, you have to smell what's around. So smell becomes a very important aspect of our environment. If something smells bad, we totally avoid it. If it smells good, we're drawn into it and we want to be around it. And I find it to be so interesting that Paul, in the second chapter of Corinthians, uses smell when he's talking about Christians. Now, what on earth could it mean for us to be the aroma of Christ? Well, for one thing, it means that we impact the world around us. For better or for worse, our presence matters. We exude some kind of smell. It also means that because the aroma that we are to emit is the aroma of Christ, we should make sure that the smell is sweet and enticing and not repugnant and not rejecting. And this is where it gets difficult. Because you see, not all people are going to appreciate the smell of Christ in the midst. This is true at North Park. I'd be surprised if it wasn't true here at Westmont. For some at North Park, they are vitally interested in growing in Christ. For others, they have no interest. Still, others may have, a faith, have, have faith and are interested in growing, but they may be at a completely different place than somebody else. Or they may come from a completely different background from somebody else. And this, too, creates tension in the way in which we relate together. Now let's talk for a minute about those in our midst who have really no interest at all in growing spiritually and couldn't care less that Westmont is a Christian college. You see, it is to these folks that Paul made reference to when he said that the aroma will be death. They will smell the aroma of Christ, but it will not smell good to them. So they will turn away and hence be headed for death rather than life with Christ. But then should our response simply be, oh well, they don't like it, that's their tough luck. Or do you think that part of what being the aroma of Christ means is that we will figure out a way to help them warm up to that smell? Do you think part of it is learning to find ways to make that aroma attractive to another person? 
think the burden falls on us, we who know Christ and are seeking to minister in his name, to make the gospel as attractive and appealing as possible. I think scripture is totally clear. That is what Christ did. He figured out where people were at, and he met them on their turf, and he drew them in. But there is a sad and interesting phenomenon that can happen when large groups of Christians get together in the midst of others who don't share their passion and beliefs. While the Christians are very excited about being together and are helping one another grow and are encouraging one another, those who stand outside continue to feel worse because of the incredible exclusion that they feel. And so what happens is instead of longing to become part of that Christian community, they stay far, far away from it because they want no part of a group that could be so exclusive and so hard on people who stand outside of them. And they turn further away. And this really gets to the point of the passage for me today. A while back I saw a bumper, that, a bumper sticker that said, Please, dear God, save me from your followers. Now I thought, isn't that sad? That somebody would pray a prayer to the God that we love and serve, that they could be saved from his followers. Tony Campolo's new book is entitled, How to Love Jesus Without Embarrassing God. It's a great title, and it gets at the heart of some of this stuff, of how to be a good representative in society of our Christian faith. And so for me, as a Christian, as one who really cares about representing Christ in the world around me, I'm constantly asking myself, what's it going to take to get so-and-so interested in the gospel? What will smell really good to this person? What is it about Christianity that maybe stinks to this person? And what can I do to freshen up that odor a bit? These are the essential questions that all of us who are ministering on behalf of Christ must constantly seek to answer if we have any hopes of drawing people in. And so now I ask you, what do you think your aroma is like these days? Are you aroma therapeutic? Or do you stink a little? Do you think that the aroma that you are emitting is indeed the aroma of Christ? in and through you because of Christ dwelling deeply and richly within you. Can I challenge you by asking, do you emit an odor of exclusion or arrogance or judgmentalism or self-righteousness or hypocrisy or elitism? Or are you so filled with the fruit of the Spirit that you smell like the sweetness of fresh fruit, that of love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and self-control? Is the clear scent of compassion one that people readily recognize in you? Are you full of grace and justice, and is that clear to those around you? You see, these are the essential fragrances of Christ himself. These are the essential fragrances that Christ in us wants us to exude as his ambassadors in this world. For these are the very scents that Christ himself was known for. And you see, these fragrances, they get masked when we let gossip and cliquishness and unfriendliness and exclusion become evident in our lives. They are muted when we let drunkenness 
and sexual promiscuity and lying and cheating have control over us. And so the only way in which we are going to consistently emit the aroma of Christ is to stay connected to the source, Christ himself, so that Christ's love and Christ's grace and Christ's compassion and Christ's justice become so much a part of us that they become the dominant fragrance in our life and we can't help but exude that aroma. So then people will be drawn to you and ultimately to Christ so that the aroma will no longer be death but instead life and life abundantly. You see, for so many people who don't know Christ, they are totally skeptical of the Christian community because they seek love and they get mean-spiritedness. They desire compassion and yet they're treated harshly. They've heard that Christianity is a message of grace and yet all they've encountered is judgmentalism. And they don't feel like they can enter the Christian community with all their stuff in tow. And getting rid of their stuff is too hard so they search for another place where they'll be accepted. So what do you think Westmont College smells like? Are you a good smell in your neighborhood? And more importantly, what do you smell like? Are people drawn to you? Are you a soothing presence? Are you among people's favorite smells? We all face challenges and choices every single day of our lives. Your lifestyle, your free time, your friendships, and your studies, they all require choices. It's important that we remember that all of the choices that we make in any given day contribute to the aroma that we leave behind. What kind of fragrance do you want to linger in the room after you go? God wants the aroma of Christ to exude from you, for you to be his minister in all situations, seeking to draw people close, not send them away. Seek to build relationships with people that will allow the fragrance of God, the fragrance of God's love to weft over you in every area of your life. I know that I've perhaps pushed the smell metaphor a bit this morning. But think about this image or this sensory experience. When we like the smell of something, we are drawn deeply into its presence. You know, when we get a bouquet of flowers and we like it, we bury our face deep within and breathe deeply. When the smell is pungent and awful, <laughs> we plug our nose, run in the opposite direction, and hope that that smell gets in a sealed bag as far away from us as possible. Now think about that in relationship to being the aroma of Christ. Do you want to draw people into the presence of Christ, helping them to breathe it in richly and deeply? Or do you want them to run silly in the opposite direction, hoping to never smell such a thing again? We have to ask ourselves, what will draw them in? What will keep them away? What draws you in? What keeps you away? You see, Ethan was absolutely right. It is the smell. 
It is the smell that impacts the manner in which we will interact with a situation. Consider what kind of smell you want to linger when you enter a room and then leave. What kind of scent do you want to be known for here on campus? You see, in my prayer for all of us, and for you, would be that the fragrance would be alive with love and compassion and openness and grace so that others will be drawn to all that you have to offer in Christ Jesus. My hope is that the aroma of Christ will so deeply linger in all of our lives so that others will find that smell so incredibly irresistible that they can't help but come. Come in and breathe deeply. Amen.